there is a quote that you might recognize that goes like this. What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. So hopefully you recognize that from school. That's a quote by a man of the name of William Shakespeare from a play that he wrote called Romeo and Juliet. And what he's saying there is, if you would call a, if a rose would be called a chair, it wouldn't change anything. It would smell just the same. It would still be a beautiful, sweet-smelling flower. So the name is not relevant. And William Shakespeare may be correct when it comes to English. But when it comes to Hebrew, is, that is not the case. Is when it comes to the Torah and the Hebrew language, is we find that names are very, very important. And unlike English, where names may be, or any other language, where names may be arbitrary, is that we find that, for example, in the Torah, that when um, God created Adam, is that he brought each of the animals to him and asked him to name each animal. And when he named something, is he was looking into the essence of the thing and recognizing the name. So the most famous example is a dog. Is he, when he brought a dog to, to Adam, is he called it Kelev. And Kelev, of course, is Kelev, like heart, because right? dogs are all heart. So there's the, some, somehow the es, that's the essence of a dog in some way. Um, so that the, the, in Hebrew, the name of something is not something which is random or arbitrary, but it's something which is indicative of the essence of what that thing is. And when you, that is why when we name our children, is we take it very, very seriously, and we have to try and get the right name. And there is a concept that even today, where there is no prophecy, and there may be people, there may be great, great people still, although we don't really know, who have Ruach HaKadosh, or divine inspiration, is that one of the things which is actually brought down um, in the sources is that when the parents are trying to find the right Hebrew name for their child, is that they can get Ruach HaKadosh, a type of a divine inspiration, which is to f- help them find the right name, Hebrew name, for their child, because that is the, describing the essence of their child, what the child is doing in the world, and therefore, names are something which are very, very meaningful and very significant, and um, they have tremendous amount of power to them. So we find that um, Rivka, like most of the Imahos, most of our matriarchs, was barren, unable to have children, and that Yitzchak and Rivka waited many, many years to have a child. And eventually, that uh, the Torah tells us that Yitzchak's, um, and particularly Yitzchak, they were both were of course davening, but Yitzchak in, in particular was answered, it says that he was answered, and she conceived. And of course it turned out that she conceived not just one child, but two, that she was carrying twins. And so the Torah tells us, it says, v'yimlu'u yameha laledes, and her, day, the, her, her days, um, were filled to give birth. She went, she went full term. Okay, it was the end of the full term. And behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first one came out, and he was red. He's, he was entirely like a carpet of hair. And they called his name, Esau. 
And afterwards, Yotzo Ochiv, his brother, came out. V'yadoi Oichezes Ba'akev Esav. And very strangely, is that his brother was born holding on to the heel of Esav. He came out right after with his hand wrapped around Esav's heel. Vayikra Shmoi, and he called his name Yaakov. Called his name Yaakov. So just to emphasize that when Esav was born, is that they called his name Esav. And when Yaakov was born, it says he called his name Yaakov. So who is it? says they, and they called him Esav. So who exactly is they? I mean, I guess you would, I guess you would think it must be his parents. They called him Esav. But Rashi actually tells us that it wasn't his parents. When it says they called him Esav, it says, Hakol Karulukain. Everybody called him that. Everybody called him Esav, meaning they saw him and they said, Oh, Esav. They could see, he's Esav. Why did everyone call him that? So Rashi says, because the Esav, the letters of the word Esav, Ayin Samech Vav, of course, Hebrew works on a system of roots. Every, every combination of letters is a root, which means something, and you build words out of that root. And so the word Esav is the exact same letters as Asu, La'asot, which means to, to, to make. Okay, to make. So it says that, that he, he, was, he came out and he was, he was made. Okay, Esav was already made. He was completed, Rashi says, with his hair, like a much older person. Okay, so we're talking about how important names are, and the, the, the name is the essence of a person in some way. And so, so Rashi's telling us that they gave, every, everybody saw, they, gave, they called him Esav. Why? Because he was born with a lot of hair? So, that, the, so the poor kid, the essence, the, the essence of him is he's hairy, right? He's, he was done, he came out like all, all ready, you know, hair and everything. He's a newborn kid with a hairy chest, okay? Red, red hairy chest, okay? So that's, that's why they call him Esav, because he was born with lots of hair. And then, and then if that's not bad enough, then the, 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 poor, the poor second kid, okay? What? Yaakov. So Yaakov is the, is the word akev, heel. Okay? Heel. So it says, he called him Yaakov. So who is he? So again, maybe you think it was his father. But Rashi says, no, no, it wasn't his father. It says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. God called him that. God called him Yaakov. Okay? And Yaakov actually is, is the, it's like the, it's like a verb form of the word heel, and it's future tense. So really, they name, it, it means like, it really means he will, he will be a heel. Okay? So what, what, what a couple of twins we have here. Okay? One, one is named Esav because he was, uh, because he was done, with lots of hair, and the other one is he will be a heel. So how, if, given, given our, our introduction on the importance of names and the aims of the, net, of the essence of a person, how can we possibly understand these? The, I mean, this is so significant. This is, this, he's, this is Yaakov, the, 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 really, he's the one who became the father of Klal Yisrael, the Jewish people, and Esav, who is our, who is our, our, greatest, you know, our greatest enemy which, throughout history. So we have to sort of step back for a second. We're talking about names. Um, so there's a very interesting idea, which the Maharal says, which is, in Hebrew, the word for an animal is behema. Okay, four letters, behe, memhe, behema. The Maharal says that if you take the word behema, it actually is 
It says, if you, you can break it up into two, and it says, ba, ma. Okay, what does ba, ma mean? Ba, ma means in it is what it is. Ba, ma. Behema, ba, ma. In it is what it is. So what does that mean? So when I was, um, when I was uh, a kid, so my father, he actually had some horses. He owned a few horses. And uh, 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 one of them was a mare, and they actually... They actually mated the mare, and the mare had a had a uh, a baby horse, a foal. Now, a, a foal's legs, a newborn baby horse, the legs of a baby horse are almost as long as an adult horse. They're nine, they're they're ninety percent the the length of an adult horse. I mean, a, ba- a baby horse is like all legs. Okay, it's all legs, um, and the baby horse stands up within the first hour after it's born. Okay, so within, within an hour, the horse is standing up. Within a few hours after that, the baby horse can trot and can canter. And the majority of horses, by the next day, can gallop, which means they can run full speed within 24 hours of being born. Okay, an animal, a baby animal, learns to sustain itself fairly quickly. Now, there are some, some animals take a bit longer. They're very dependent upon the mother um, for longer, some shorter. But all animals pretty quickly can sustain themselves because an animal is born with everything it needs and an animal is what it is. Okay? A horse will never be and can never be more than a horse. Okay? Whatever it's, what it, what is, it has everything it needs, it's born with it and that is everything it will be. Now, what about, a, what about a human being? How long does it take until a baby can run? So, I mean, we, you know, I have a, we and her, we have a baby who's about to, in a couple of weeks, will be turning one, and she can't walk, she can't even walk yet, okay, let alone, let alone run. So, uh, I, I, I googled it, and it seems to be that until a child, a child becomes comfortable with running, like they can actually run without falling over, and yeah, come between the ages of two and two and a half. Okay, between two and two and a half. Okay, so it takes for a human for a human child, it takes at least two years for them on average before they can run. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, what would you call an impala? What, what would you call an impala? A baby impala that couldn't run for two years. You know what you call that? Lunch, as you call it, right? So. An animal couldn't possibly go two years without being able to run. Okay, uh, at what age can a human child, can a human being, take care of themselves? Okay, how old? How many years does it take until a human child can take care of themselves? We probably would say, you know, eighteen. But that's for non-Jewish children. For Jewish children, it's thirty. Okay, for Jewish children, it's thirty. Um, so human babies are born needing a tremendous amount of care. It takes years and years, years before they can feed themselves, even just to put the food, you know, pick up, a, you know, put it in their mouths. Um, years and years. So the altar of Kelm, one of the great uh, rabbis of the Muslim movement, said that, that the reason why God made it this way is because children will understand. I mean, children are like sponges. You can see they, they, they watch and they copy you and they learn and says, this way, children will understand that they need to learn from their parents and from their elders. And every child 
well, learns the lesson that they need, that they, they have to undergo a process of growth and development in life, and they have to always learn more and take on more and do more. And if you go in the, the first parsha of the Torah where it talks about creation, so each day of creation, when God creates something, it says God created light, said let there be light, and then it says, and, and God saw that it was good. Hashem saw that it was good. So he created light. He said he created the, 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 separated the waters and he saw that it was good. And he said the, the dry land should appear. He saw it was good. When Hashem created human beings, created Adam, okay, it doesn't say Hashem saw that it was good. It doesn't say that it was good. There is a, a verse in Tanakh, in, the, in, in Eov, the book of Job, and it says, man is born a wild donkey. Okay, a man is born a wild donkey. At birth, he's like an animal. A baby, a baby, a baby child, a baby human being, is very similar to an animal in some ways. Okay, at birth is mostly a baby is mostly body. Okay, mostly body, meaning obviously there's an neshama there. Obviously, I mean, a baby is not an animal. Okay, but a baby's the five senses work immediately. Baby can see, can hear. Okay, the physical drives are, are totally dominant and apparent. What does a baby do? A baby eats, a baby sleeps, a baby goes to the bathroom, and not much more than that. Of course, there's a neshama in there, but the neshama doesn't have a very strong influence on the body at the time of birth. I mean, the, child, the things which we typically associate with the neshama are hardly accessible for a young child. Uh, understanding self-control, judgment, the powers of introspection, self-awareness. Okay? As a child grows and the neshama becomes more and more manifest, so the intellect develops, the child becomes aware of others, the child develops the ability to care about other people, to be aware of other people, to share. Okay? So the word for a human being is adam. Adam is a human being. The word Adam comes directly from the word Adama. Okay? Adama means ground. It means, it means dirt. Okay? Soil. So it's an interesting thing. A human being, why is a human being called an Adam? Because the Torah says it took, he took Adama. He created the human being from Adama. Now on the one hand, Adama is almost totally ground. Soil is almost totally worthless. If you say, that, per, that person treated me like dirt. What are you saying? Treat me like nothing, like I was nothing. Dirt is worthless. Okay? On the one hand, dirt on its own is worthless. Soil is worthless. On the other hand, is that dirt is actually pure potential. Because on its own, it's nothing. But if you, if you take a pick and you soften it up a bit, you plant something in there, you water it, okay? then things will grow from there. Okay? Things will come out of there. So if you actually do something with the, with the soil, so then it can, it, it, produces, it can produce wheat, it can produce fruit, it can produce all kinds of things that you can, you can, it can sustain you, you can live off of it, it can produce beautiful things, sweet-smelling things, beautiful-tasting things. Okay? So the Adama on its own, is, 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 if you, just, is just, you don't do anything with it, it's just dirt. But if you, if you work it and you develop it, it's got, it's, it's got, it contains potential. Okay, and, you, and things come from there. So it doesn't say that Adam was good, God, because, you know why? Because it wasn't clear at that point if he was good or he wasn't. Of course, Adam had the potential 
for tremendous good, but that potential may or may not be actualized. And to actualize potential, you have to work. You have to work the soil. It takes tremendous. It takes clarity and understanding. It takes discipline and self-control. It takes dedication, a lifelong commitment to doing the hard work of replacing, where a person has to replace their natural instinctual tendencies, using their intellect to develop themselves. And a, a person can, can, can achieve tremendous things that can actualize their potential and, and reach levels of greatness that are beyond even what the, angels can, what the angels are. But if a person doesn't do anything with that potential, if a person does nothing with it, then he remains very similar to an animal. Okay? Because an animal is what it is. An animal has no potential. A dog will never be anything other than a dog. A dog can't, a, cannot transcend its limitations. A, a dog cannot... Of course, you can train animals. You can train them to do certain things. But that's, that's because that's, you know, it depends on the animal. Right? That's, in, that, that's part of their nature. Certain animals have a nature where you can, you can train them. But that doesn't mean they're growing. That doesn't mean they're actualizing potential. That doesn't mean they're transcending limitations. So Yaakov and Esav represent two radically different approaches to life. Very, very different worldviews, very, very different values, very, very different sets of goals. And whether or not we go with Yaakov or we go with Esav has tremendous ramifications for how you live your life. Okay? So ya- Yaakov. Now, the, the, one of the most famous things associated with Yaakov, if you, if, I mean, I guess people today probably don't know much about the Torah anyway, but to the extent that people know about the Bible, okay, if you ask them about Jacob, well, you know what the most famous thing is? Jacob's ladder. Okay? Yaakov has a dream where he sees a ladder which reaches from the ground all the way up to heaven, and there are angels ascending, going up and down on this ladder. And of course, the, 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 the ladder is the potential for a person who starts off down here to reach the highest levels of growth, the highest levels of spirituality. Okay, this is the potential of a person who wants to go up. And growth can only be a ladder. A ladder is only one rung at a time. You can't skip, you can't jump multiple rungs. Okay? You have to go up, up. So Yaakov was constantly seeking to improve himself, to go up the ladder of growth. Okay? The heel is the lowest part of the body. The lowest part of the body is the heel of your foot. Okay, so Yaakov saw himself as being at the bottom. He had a long way to go. Okay, Yaakov, his name was future tense, yeah, in the future, because he was future focused. He understood that he wasn't a finished product, that he always had, and he could be more in the future. He could do more in the future. He could constantly work to become more than he is now, to actualize his potential. Yaakov, you know, Yaakov um, grew up on Avraham's lap. He, Avraham died when he was only, when he was about, I think he was 13, right? This, this week's Parsha. Um, when he was 13, I believe. Okay? Which means he learned Torah from, from Avraham. Okay? He, was, he was called Yish Yoshev Ahal, and he would sit in the tents. What are the tents? The tents are the tents of Torah learning. That's what he did, is he learned. And you would think that, okay, he learned from Avraham, he learned from Yitzchak, I mean, he learned from the greatest of the greatest. Okay? And you'd think, okay, that he's done. But at 63 years of age, it says, when he was, when he was sent to find a wife, when his mother sent him at the end of this week's parsha to send a, to go find a wife, is that he went to, he on the way he stopped off in yeshiva for fourteen years before going to look for his wife. At the age of sixty-three, he went to yeshiva for fourteen years. 
And then he ends up going and finding Rachel and finding Leah. And he had the over, and he was a person, he was completely ashar. He was straight. He was honest. He didn't like to fight with anybody. He loved the truth. And he had to deal with Lavan, and he had to deal with his brother Esav. He had, to, he had to learn to fight. He had to learn to deal with treachery and lies. He had to overcome his nature to learn to deal with the world. He had to grow. And this is what he passed on to his children. Right? At, the, at the very end of the book of, of, of Breshis, is that when they were going down to Egypt to go, in, to go into, into slavery, to go into exile, is that the Torah tells us is that he sent Yehuda down first. Yehuda, his son Yehuda went first. Why did he send Yehuda ahead? Rashi tells us he was going to set up a yeshiva so that when he and his family came down to Egypt, they could keep learning and they could keep growing even in a very spiritually challenging environment. Okay, So Yaakov is all about growth. Yaakov is always understanding that I'm just like a heel, is that, is that I, have, I can keep going higher, I can keep doing more, I can keep growing, is that I have to keep working and actualize my potential, go higher and higher. And it's very interesting. The, the, one of the commentaries on the Chumash says, the Kliyakar, he says, and just listen to what he says, very interesting thing. He says, Ikar zman knias hashlemus, the primary time in a person's life when they acquire perfection for themselves, who bime hazikna, it's in his old age. Bihiyosoi karoiv lashare mavais, when he draws close to the gates of death. Okay? So the, the head, when a baby is born, no, under normal circumstances, okay, um, which of course means not in South Africa because they only do Caesars here, but in other places where they have natural births, okay, so the head comes out first and the heel comes out last. Okay? The heel is the end. So Yaakov was holding on to the heel, the, the end of Esav's body. That's the, the head is the beginning, the heel is the end. So he's saying heel also represents the end of life, the old age. Because the perfection and actualization of spiritual potential is only achieved at the end. When a person is, is old and no longer dominated by their physical desires. Okay? And it's an interesting thing is that, is that we, if you look at great rabbis, great rabbis um, and relatives, the truth is even people's relatives, is that you know what, you know what we know about? We know about their yortzite. Very often you have no idea when their birthday was. You don't know their birthday? But you know their death day. Isn't that a little bit morbid? Well, how, come, how come we're so focused on their de- death day? Wouldn't, shouldn't, wouldn't, you know? Seems a little bit... Uh, why? Because what's your birth, really? What are you when, you, when you're born? You know, when you're, when you, you know when you're born what you are? You're Adama. You're a clump of dirt. Okay? You have no idea. Is it going to be good or is it not going to be good? Is this child going to fulfill their potential or not fulfill their potential? Once a person dies, now you see the whole picture. Okay, now you see, what did this person do with their life? What did they achieve? What did they accomplish? How much did they actualize themselves? How much did they fulfill their potential? Did they live their lives in a way where they were growing? Were they fighting the fight? So Hashem named, says Hashem named him Yaakov. He named him Yaakov. Why? Because no one else could see at birth. It's not so apparent at birth. You couldn't tell the difference between Esau and Yaakov at birth. It only became apparent later on. Since once they hit Bar Mitzvah, they started to go their separate ways, right? Because you can't, can't tell until he gives older. Hashem could, see, Hashem could see the whole picture. He knew who Yaakov was. He knew he was going to be someone who would grow his whole life. But what is Esav, we said, is related to the word Asui. Like Asui means done. Last to do. To do. So Esav means 
he's made, he's done, he's complete. Okay, so the Kliyakar says, Esav was born done. He was done, already he was done. Which is, first of all, indication of the fact that the main abilities that he would access during his life, that he would use, were the same ones which were already available to him at birth. Same way as an animal. An animal is born with everything it needs. Esav had everything he needed and he never went past that. Okay, just like an animal. His main drive, his, his Yetzirah, his drive was for power. His focus was entirely on Olam Hazah, on this world. Esav saw himself as complete. He had no interest in becoming anything other than he was, didn't want to grow, didn't want to overcome his limitations, didn't want to have to struggle against his own nature. I'm done. I am what I am, and I'm finished. Thank you very much. So these are two very, very different ways of looking at the, uh, looking at the world. There's one way of looking at the world is I understand that I'm here, I'm here to grow, I'm here to work on myself, I'm here to actualize my potential, that I'm born as raw potential, I have to use it, I have to transcend my limitations, I can add things which aren't here, I can get rid of things which I don't want to have, I can change myself, I can become different, I can overcome my nature. And that's a future focus, that is seeing that the top of the ladder is up in Shemayim, in the spiritual realms. But, and then you can see is this world is, a, is, is not a means to an end, which is how Yaakov sees it, but it's an end in itself, as I'm all about this world. And don't talk to me about changing, about growing, about working. It's thank you very much. I'm happy as I am. I'm happy with who I am. You know? And I'm just going to sit here. I'm, I'm just going like, to get what I can from this world. You know, when, when a person in, in, the, in, in Torah terms, when a person reaches a high level of wisdom, okay, they acquire a lot of Torah wisdom. They are called... Interestingly, you know the, the, the phrase, a Talmud Chacham, a Talmud Chacham. What is a Talmud Chacham? A Talmud Chacham, a Talmud is a student, a student of the wise. Once you become, a ma- a, a, once you master Torah, you become a student of the wise. Which means even a sage who reaches high levels of mastery of wisdom is called a Talmud, a student. Because no matter how great you become, is we as Jews recognize is that there's always more to learn. You're always a, you never stop being a student. There's always more you can know. There's always more you can learn. There's always new levels you can achieve. One of the, one of the, the greatest rabbis, the greatest gedolim of recent times, is Rebbe Liashev. Rebbe Liashev um, died about five years ago, something like that. I think he, he was 102 years old when he died. I have a picture of him on my wall. I would turn my computer around, but I'm not going to. Okay? He was 102 years old when he died. So when he was 12 years old, he started uh, keeping a particular learning seder, a learning uh, schedule, where he would wake up at 2 in the morning, and he would start, his day, start, start learning from 2 in the morning, from when he was 12 years old. 90 years later, when he was 102, he had the same learning schedule. He learned from 2 in the morning for 90 years. Okay, 90 years. And, and up until... The last couple of months of his life where he was too ill, he couldn't do it, and he couldn't do it, and he was hospitalized. But up until that point, is he was still waking up at 2 in the morning to learn. I mean, would he not be able to say, you know, at his 100th birthday, could he not say, you know what, I did well. Okay, it's been good innings, you know, but I'm old, <laughs> and I'm tired, and you know what, I'm going to sleep late from now on, I'm sleeping until 3, 
Okay? He could have said that, but he didn't. Because a person who understands that we're here to grow, and we're here to work, we're here to push ourselves, that means I'm always, there's no such thing as retiring. You know, you never get to the point where you say, okay, that's enough now. Is now I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to watch Netflix. Okay? There's no such point. There's no such time. Okay? Is that people who, are, people who understand what life is for is will be fighting to work on themselves always. Okay? And, and, and those people are also going to be the most alive because growth gives, gives energy. It gives life. Okay? The, the, I believe it was the Kotzkerebi who said, there are two types of people in this world. There are those who want to grow and there are those who don't. Okay? There are people who are Yaakov and there are people who are Esav. And they called him Esav because everybody could see just by looking at him that he was done. He's done. He's not doing, he's not doing anything. He is what he is. Bahma. What's in him is what's in him. But it says in the prophet Hosea says something very strange. He says, Kinar Yisrael va'ahavehu. It says a naar is like a young is like a young boy. A naar, and it can be a teenager. A naar can be a teenager. Okay, Yosef was called a naar when he was seventeen. Okay, a teenager. Okay, so which means that means that God loves the Jewish people because they're teenagers. They because they're young. They're like children. God loves the Jewish people because they're like because they're like children. What does that mean? It says, yes, because no matter how old we grow, no matter how wise we grow, we still look at ourselves like we're a nar. I'm just a kid. I've got a lot to learn. I've got a lot to improve. I've got a lot of, learn, a lot of room to grow. So we are called the Bnei Yaakov. Okay? We're the descendants of Yaakov, Bnei Yisrael. Okay? Yisrael is Yaakov when he achieved his potential. Okay, he was called Yisrael. We are Bnei, that is our name, we are Bnei Yisrael. We are the Jewish people, we are the, the children of Yisrael. Which means that is who we are, that's what we're about. So we have to understand is that we are in the world to grow. Is that we are only coming into this world as a bundle of raw potential. And it is up to us to take something of that, to take who we are, to work it, to, to grow, to push ourselves, right, to plant and to harvest and to do all the things we need to take this, this piece of ground that we're given, which is ourselves, and turn ourselves into a beautiful orchard. Okay, so Hashem shall help us all to be able to actualize ourselves, to have the right, first and foremost, have the right attitude towards life, to recognize that we are here to grow, that we are the, we are the children of Yaakov, and that the ones who are the children of Esau did not make it. They were not included in the Jewish people, because you can't be part of the Jewish people if you're just happy as you are. And that, I'm going to stay like this, I'm not going to be. That's not what a Jew is. So we should be able to tap in to the, the inheritance we got from our father Yaakov, and to tap into that energy, and to use our potential to grow and become the people that we're supposed to be.